Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Mississippi State University Center for Distance Education, providing online programs and certification at the graduate and undergraduate levels. Distance at State, even there you're here. More information at distance.msstate.edu. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, April 2nd. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, does Mississippi continue to rank highest for new HIV infections? We'll hear from an infectious disease expert on whether or not progress is being made. We already have what we need. We just need to figure out how to make it work for the people who need it. On our Everyday Tech segment, it's tools and gadgets you can use as you venture into the Mississippi outdoors. Then, he's the first African-American commissioner at the Institutions of Higher Learning. Meet Alfred Rankins, Jr. And find out how officials are giving the prom new meaning as they push for safe choices this spring. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Southern states are leading the nation in new HIV infections, according to a new report from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Yet health officials believe Mississippi is making small progress. In 2010, there were 464 diagnoses of HIV reported by the CDC. In 2016, there were 424 cases. Dr. Leandro Mena is chair of the Department of Population Health and professor of medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. He tells MPB's Ashley Norwood the biggest challenge is affecting the rate decline. We wanted to create a space where people feel uh, comfortable, you know, accessing uh, STD, sexual health screening services, uh, where people didn't feel stigmatized, but also where people could, you know, who live, you know, busy lives could come in and out and get tested. Um, most people who are infected with sexually transmitting infections like HIV, you know, but certainly others like gonorrhea, chlamydia, herpes, you know, um, syphilis, you know, are asymptomatic. You know, very often they do not know that they have, you know, any of these infections because they don't have any symptoms. So uh, the first step in eliminating these infections from our population is really providing access, you know, to testing so people uh, who want to know where they may have these infections, they can receive appropriate treatment, can come and get tested. So that's the whole idea of Express Personal Health. I mean, to provide a, an environment that is not necessarily a clinical environment, but where people can get access to a state-of-the-art, you know, a screening for these uh, infections and, uh, and get them, you know, prompt a referral for treatment. For those who don't know, who's able to receive services here? Is it by age or by sexual orientation, so, gender? So anyone can come to the clinic and receive services in the clinic. Um, we really encourage, I mean, everyone. Um, for a long time, you know, uh, things, you know, like HIV screening uh, have been done based on risk. And we know now that most people, you know, some a lot of people who may be infected with HIV may not have, you know, may not recognize, you know, uh, any risk. That they have any risk. So we really encourage, I mean, HIV, you know, is in many ways just in the same way that we see, look at um, blood types. I mean, uh, not everyone knows their blood type, but everyone should know their blood type. Um, so our clinic is really uh, open to all populations, but individuals who may be a high risk, and those are people who are sexually active, people who may have more than one sexual partner, 
people who are sexually active with partners, even if it's only one partner, but they're not really sure whether these partners are not infected with any other STDs or HIV because either they have not been tested recently or um, they're not comfortable having that conversation, should come by the clinic and get tested. Tell me why is it so important? HIV and sexual transmitted infections are important problems that affect our population in a very disproportionate way. I mean, we have talked mostly about HIV, but Mississippi has historically, you know, ranked in gonorrhea and chlamydia in the highest levels, you know, for over two decades. So I think, again, that we have tremendous opportunity. These infections can be treated. Testing is fairly easy. Treatment is fairly inexpensive. I mean, uh, certainly for media and syphilis, uh, most health department clinics, you know, offers, offer uh, screening services and testing to a minimal, you know, uh, cost, and sometimes only $20 uh, for testing, sometimes free as part of a uh, family planning. So I think, again, the most important thing is that everyone should get tested at least once a year. And people who are sexually active, who have more than one sexual partner, or who may not be in a relationship that they believe is a monogamous relationship, should be tested again at least once a year. Most of the things can be treated. Professor Dr. Leandro Mena with our Ashley Norwood talking about the Express Personal Health Clinic at UMMC. Aaron Jones is a 24-year-old college student. The Lowndes County native says when he became HIV positive at age 16, his life changed. Now a project coordinator with My Brother's Keeper, he tells MPB's Ashley Norwood he hopes his story will save others. I contracted HIV at the age of 16 years old, and I contracted it through a relationship, someone who knew their status but didn't tell me. So I felt like at that time, like, you didn't even give me an option. So tell me a little bit about um, your sex education opportunities growing up. Was it at home? Was it in school? School School-wise, it was real less. You really didn't have too many people. But where I come from, when I found out, I didn't have anybody to tell me, like, this is what I hear and this is how you need to protect yourself. So it's like I had to find my own way, and then I bumped my head. That's the type of education that I had. Tell me what you do day to day. So what I do is I take my story, which I have lived through domestic violence. I have contracted um, HIV at a young age. I've had dreams and it, everything went left, so I feel like my whole life had changed. So I had to find a way to get myself back up to where I wanted to be in life. So that's what I take. I take my story and I share it with other people to make it seem like, hey, I did it at 15, 16, and you're like 22, 23, which is I'm 24 now. You can get to where I am now by living your life attending your doctor's appointments regularly, taking that one pill a day or however your doctor has prescribed you. And you don't have to give up. Tell me what you want to do with yourself now moving forward. I feel like now where I am today, like, I don't regret it, but I'm glad it happened to me because now I'm able to have a job, have advocacy, and be able to help somebody else, not better themselves, but actually have the help to say, oh, he did it. Why I'm just sitting here and not doing nothing about it. Aaron Jones, project coordinator at My Brother's Keeper. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. More information about treatments and health services for infectious diseases is on the University of Mississippi Medical Center website. 
Coming up, meet the first African-American to be named commissioner at the Institutions of Higher Learning. That's after Everyday Tech. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. MPB's digital media workshop for high school students was amazing. I learned new skills, and now I'm pursuing a career in film production. That's my MPB story. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Michelle McAdoo with Wilkes Couture, and today we're discussing outdoor technology. So, Wilkes, when we talk about outdoor technology, what exactly comes to mind? One of the first things I think about when I'm going outdoors is the technology that's going to help to make me safe, to help keep me safe, to make sure that not only do I go outdoors, but I actually come back indoors. And one of the things that comes to mind on that is just so much of the advancements today in GPS technology. You know, not only can we use the GPS or global positioning system to help find locations, but it can also make sure that we return to locations. I watch plenty of shows and listen to plenty of news reports where people have went out into the woods and and become lost. And there's so many things today that can help prevent that from being a problem. Another thing that's really been a hit lately, I mean, I'm sure some of us have seen the Fitbit and other health trackers that we're all using that kind of helps to keep up with how many steps are we doing and making sure we're staying active. So as, as the weather has turned nicer for us to be able to go outside, we really can take these things along with us to make sure that we're enjoying it. And another neat thing is there's a lot of technology, a lot of apps that are actually running on your phone that can actually help you to discover areas outside to go and explore. So one of the things that I've seen a lot of folks who are more outdoorsy be able to take advantage of are things such as solar panels. We're really seeing solar panels come into being, instead of just a novelty, they're almost becoming a requirement. So now you can actually go out and you can keep your phone or your GPS or your radio or these other items charged by just simply you know taking along a very small, very compact solar panel with you. On top of that, and sometimes you don't think about this as technology, but just the technology and the clothes that we take outside. We're seeing a lot more things that are able to be breathable, but at the same time be waterproof or water resistant. So that's keeping people safer when they're out there, because the last thing you want to do is walk for a couple of miles with wet feet. That's just an absolutely miserable feeling. And even just the technology of some of the coolers these days, you know, people who are going out camping, people who are going out fishing for the day or what have you, the ability to keep their food not only protected and cool, but also to keep it from other critters getting into it. I mean, you know, you've got all kinds of of things out there that would love to get a hold of your ham and cheese sandwich. And so just the technology of those devices, these better coolers that are being built, for example, that are actually keeping things out. So technology plays a big part in helping your camping trip be successful. Well, it really does. And I think what we need to think about with technology on this is that it goes beyond just the phone that you might carry around there with you. There are so many advancements that are being made to make it safer, to make it more enjoyable, to make it more accessible to people that you don't have to be some, you know, hardcore camping guru that the average person can go out and they can enjoy what the outdoors has to offer without a lot of the concerns and a lot of the worry that may would go along with it. What are some gadgets that can keep hunters safe this year? Well, a lot of the folks that I know that are into hunting, one of the main tools that they utilize is a tree stand. Well, a tree stand, of course, is you're, you're elevating yourself off the ground, so making sure that you have proper fall protection. There's been a lot of advancements in that to make sure that someone will not fall and hurt themselves 
out of some of these devices. And we also can't underestimate the role that GPS plays for our hunters today. Not only will it help them to locate themselves and go from point A to point B safely, but it can also provide a method for their loved ones to find them as well in case there's any kind of problems that come up. So whether you're going out for the day for a long hike among the many nature trails that are out there, or you want a peaceful weekend of camping with the family in a state park, or even if you're in the pursuit of some elusive game, we just got to remember the outdoors offers us plenty of opportunities and technology offers those opportunities as well to make sure that not only do we have a fun time, but that we also do it safely. We will talk more about outdoor technology on the next Everyday Tech, the show that comes on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. You can always send us an email to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. For Wilts Couture, I'm Michelle McAdoo. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. MPB's digital media workshop for high school students was amazing. I learned new skills, and now I'm pursuing a career in film production. That's my MPB story. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. A new head of the state institutions of higher learning is preparing to take office. The state college board has announced that Alfred Rankins Jr. will become higher education commissioner July 1st. He will succeed retiring commissioner Glenn Boyce. Rankins will be the first African-American to hold the office. He's currently the president of Alcorn State University in Lorman. Alfred Rankins Jr. tells MPB's Ezra Wall how his previous experience supports his new role. I worked in the system office uh, for uh, several years, uh, the latest as uh, deputy commissioner, where I was the number two person working directly under the commissioner. So I'm very familiar with uh, the operations of the office and, and working at that level. And I felt like that experience as well as the experience of leading a campus made me uniquely suited uh, to, to explore this opportunity. You've been at Alcorn as the president for a couple of years, two or three years, or, or maybe a little bit longer than that. What are you particularly proud of? Well, I've been at Alcorn for four years, and uh, I'm particularly proud of the uh, progress we've made in improving uh, our facilities and infrastructure here on campus. Uh, uh, under my leadership, uh, we, we've stopped a a multi-year uh, enrollment decline that we've had here on campus. And most recently, we enrolled uh, our largest freshman class in the history of the university. Uh, and we also saw uh, a 7% increase in total enrollment uh, in the fall. Those are the most notable, along with several other accomplishments that we've seen here over the past four years. As you look ahead to the new position, um, I know you haven't had a, a lot of time to discuss with all of the various uh, parties exactly what co course of action you're going to take moving forward. But just sort of in, in broad strokes, what do you see as important priorities for the institutions of higher learning to tackle, the public university system to tackle over the next uh, several years? Well, I, I think... Uh, uh, from a higher level, uh, looking at all of our campuses, uh, uh, they're all dealing with, with operating and continuing to serve the students and the communities that they serve 
with uh, fewer resources. Uh, so uh, we know that moving forward, that's going to bring about some challenges that uh, I'll be working uh, with the leaders on each campus and the medical center to try to navigate through these lean times that, that we expect over the next few years. That's something that we know we'll have to deal with. Uh, of course, there are always issues that you have to manage uh, when you have complex uh, operations like university campuses that we know uh, we'll have to deal with. But uh, moving into the position, uh, I plan on visiting all of the campuses to meet with the leadership there uh, to, to make sure that I'm keenly aware of, of, of what their needs are and meeting with uh, the leaders uh, in our legislature and in state government because they play a key role uh, in what we do on all of our campuses. Your appointment is a great accomplishment in and of itself, but it's obviously very much worth noting that you'll be the first African-American to be the head of the state's university system. As you reflect on that, how does that make you feel? It really hadn't sunk in yet. Uh, the, the history involved in, in this appointment really hadn't had a lot of time to think about it. I just feel fortunate that uh, I've been given uh, this opportunity and uh I look forward to, to serving this great state in a different role. Dr. Alfred Rankins, Jr. is the president of Alcorn State University, and uh, in July he'll begin serving as the commissioner of higher education here in Mississippi. Dr. Rankins, thank you very much for taking some time with us today. Thank you. The Board of Trustees at IHL will announce plans for the search for the next president of Alcorn soon. Coming up, find out how officials are giving the prom new meaning as they push for safe choices this spring. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Lisa Mullins. The legal battle between President Trump and adult film actress Stormy Daniels has been commanding a lot of attention in Washington and in the media. How are the president's female supporters responding to the news? We'll find out next time on Here and Now. Today at noon on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Advocates are encouraging Mississippi teens to consider the consequences of their actions this prom season. It's an effort to steer teens away from drugs and alcohol during the festivities. The State Department of Rehabilitation Services and the State Department of Public Safety are teaming up to reach as many schools as they can. They're using PROM as an acronym that stands for Please Return on Monday. Chris Howard is Executive Director of Rehabilitation Services. He tells us safety is their focus with the campaign. We've done other campaigns in the past like texting and driving, concussion protocol, things like that. But this is our first time to do the PROM campaign. We see a lot of individuals come through our district offices who have disabilities as a result of vehicle collisions and, and accidents and things like that. What is it that you're focusing on for this campaign? Uh, really what we're doing is trying to keep the kids safe, you know, keep those young adults safe. You know, when, granted, it was 30 years ago I went to prom, but, you know, sometimes kids, they think they're invincible. They think, you know, nothing can happen to them. And, you know, what we're trying to tell those individuals is, you know, one mistake today could change your whole life for the future. So what can you say? What can you do to get that message through that they are not invincible? 
you know, we have got a really powerful store that we're doing right now. We were at Ridgeland High School earlier this week. We were at Hernando High School last week, and we're trying to find other schools that we can come into. But, but we've got a presentation where we had the Mississippi Highway Patrol, you know, talk about the what happens about having to knock on the door and tell those parents that their child's not coming home, you know, telling those stories. And then from our aspect, you know, we tell those stories of, of individuals who, 18 years old, played for the football team, made a mistake, and now they're in a wheelchair and they'll never play football again or things like that. And then we've also got an individual who, his name's Richard, he is someone who also presents during these, these um, presentations, and he is an individual that drank and drive. He drank and drive one night, you know, thought everything would be fine, had an accident, got ejected from the car, and now he's in a wheelchair and has a brain injury. And he tells his story to the kids or young adults who are, are sitting out there in the audience. How do teenagers react or respond to your efforts to get them to knock themselves in the head and say, maybe I shouldn't do this? I mean, I'll tell you what I'm being told is that these, these past two presentations, there were very few dry eyes in the house. You know, these young adults hearing these stories, hearing the story from the highway patrol, hearing our story, you know, especially hearing that story from one of their peers um, truly gets their attention and, and makes them think. And, you know, some of the things we're trying to really press with the kids is, um, you know, of course, wear your seatbelt, don't drink and drive. But, I mean, texting and driving is just as dangerous as, as drinking and driving. So we're encouraging kids, you know, give your cell phone to the passenger. You know, don't have that cell phone on you where when you hear that ding, you just automatically want to pick it up and start texting. You know, give your give your phone to the passenger until you get the prompt. Um, you know, just just really making those those good decisions that, that will keep them safe and, and um, you know, won't affect their future. Um, I heard... Uh, a statistic that I've talked about that, that really stuck with me was, you know, there's a stat out there that says a thousand kids die every year during prom night or graduation night across this country as a result of, of making a mistake like this. So, you know, I have two kids and just thinking that a thousand parents are going to get that knock at the door saying their child's not going to be home. I mean, that's it's across this country, but that that's a thousand too many. Because the Mississippi Highway Patrol partners with you. I imagine they can give the information of how many times they have to respond to a horrific accident with those kinds of results. Yeah, they can come out and, and give those statistics. And, and you know, in their presentation, they give visuals. Here's a striped jumpsuit. So, you know, if you kill somebody, this is what you're going to be wearing. And then what really got me was, you know, they pull out one of the black body bags and say, if you make a decision and you die as a result of it, here's what you're leaving the scene in. And, you know, that's that's pretty powerful, you know, when you've got Highway Patrol, you know, showing those visuals like that, and, and it really gets those young adults. I know it got me thinking, and it really gets those young adults, you know, thinking about we've got to make good decisions every night, not just prom night, but every night. Your campaign is running this month and next month. How many schools do you hope to get to in that time period? You know, we really don't have a set number on the number of schools we'd like to go to. We're just we're working with the schools and, and trying to get in as many as possible. Uh, we've also got posters. And Marshall Ramsey, you know, everyone knows Marshall Ramsey, the, the cartoonist. Um, he did our, our, our artwork for our posters. And we are really pushing the schools. And the schools have been very open with us and are allowing us to put the posters, you know, on the wall in visible areas where the kids can see them. 
and we've really had a lot of success across the state getting those posters into the schools. Where can people find more information, Chris? They can go on our website at uh, mdrs.ms.gov. Chris Howard is the executive director of the Mississippi Department of Rehabilitation Services. Chris, thanks so much for being with us. Hey, thank you so much for letting us be on the show and, and talk about this important campaign. And that completes today's show. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. At 9 o'clock, Deep South Dining. At 10 o'clock, it's Now You're Talking. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition. It's only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation, committed to helping more Mississippians obtain post-secondary credentials, college certificates, and degrees that lead to employment. More information about Woodward Hines Education Foundation at woodwardhines.org.